Alright, this is our third intro song. Hope you like it. <laughs> this one's uh, very different than the other one. This is something I've made before, like six months ago, playing around with different little musical toys that I have. Was this when we were up in Fleischmann's? No, this was when I was at this fancy coffee shop in like the graffiti part of Bishwick that graffiti tourists go to. Uh, what's that place called? Some the fancy Swalter? stores. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, the big point being that uh, welcome back to first season finale. We're coming to you uh, from the snowpocalypse 2015. Hunker down in our in my apartment in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Erica's to my right, Adam's to my left. I hope you survived the the mess that's outside. Unless you were the teenager who was snow tubing upstate and had a telephone pole, you probably survived. Oh, he no. probably survived? No, no. No, you, that's the only person who did. You probably survived. <laughs> Upstaters. Yeah. What was he doing? They uh, he was like sledding on a uh, street and went out of control and hit a telephone pole. Whew. Was he a, was he a Kennedy? <laughs> Seems like something a Kennedy would do. Only one Kennedy did that. Oh yeah? Yeah. Which one? The one that flipped the Chappaquiddit. Flipped the car. Let the girl die. Nope, that's a different one. Oh. Yeah. That's I Ted that's Ted. Wait, wait. He's, he's you, there's a Kennedy that died sledding? Skiing. Skiing. Oh. Sunny so so Bono. did Sonny Bono. It was a thing. People die skiing. <laughs> I, having gone skiing, I I know that. Like that's why I hate skiing. I don't know why. Yeah, people want to put themselves in that position. Skiing's scary. I am a wuss, and I like I love the snow, but I'd much rather hike in it or snowshoe or cross country ski. I feel like that is uh, great. It's also not expensive. Skiing is so expensive. And has so much nonsense gear involved that I don't care for. Like yes. Whereas snowshoes, just put step those things on your feet, and you can go for a wonderful hike. A wonderful slow hike. <laughs> very slow. Well, you know what else is very cheap intense hike. And something that we do in upstate New York as well is uh, driving on lakes or rivers, mm. and that's just as dangerous. You know, like much cheaper. I was uh, like, it's frozen over. Let's go drive on it and see if we die. I was driving down to Philly and I thought I saw a frozen river or a thing, and there was a car on it. I was like, everyone, oh my god, that car's on the thing. And then I realized it was like a parking lot to the side <laughs> <laughs> that it looked like it was frozen over. I thought the guy was crazy and about to like fall into the thing. No, you can do it. Like Winnipesaukee, we have the uh, fishing derby every year. It's just a big parking lot out on the lake. Wait, explain this. So, in Lake Wimpasaki, New Hampshire, every is it, year they is have a town. What's it called? No, it's, it's Lake Wimpasaki. It's the lake. Okay. So like Alton, Wolfboro, all the nice towns. Like there's a lake-wide fishing derby, so you can fish for like a certain amount of days, and then whoever catches the biggest fish wins. Mm. And they every year in uh, what the fuck is that town? Whatever, uh, they like plow out a thing, and everyone just parks out there. You haul your stuff out. Oddly enough, there's a bank right by the water's edge. And I thought the best thing to do would be rob it and then get on snowmobiles and take off across the lake. 
Aren't you Die Hard too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because the police won't be able to follow you across the lake. Well, it take them. Yeah, take them a lot longer to like follow you across the lake, and then you can just be gone. I mean, because a snowmobile can go 80, 90 miles an hour, straight line, gone. Okay. Do you don't think they could just drive around the lake to where? I mean, they could just watch you and see. Or radio where to people that might be on the other side yeah. of the lake. But the lake is so big, you would have no idea where they were. I mean, you'd have to get a helicopter up in the air, which they don't have. You'd have you need a Can't lot. Can't you just see the lake and say, "Hey, there they are," because it's just nothing else there. No, it's huge. You wouldn't be able to do it. Oh, really? It's a good plan. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's a solid plan. So if it ever happens and we can't find you, we know who did it. The only problem is I don't think that bank holds a lot of money. Mm. But they would gear up for this uh, fishing derby, so I would hit it. Right before the derby. Okay. It sounds like a good plot. <laughs> the challenge, though, is that what if someone else is getting ready for the fishing derby and also they're early? Oh, this is a good setup now. You have your plan, but there's also, like, a let's say, a young boy who wants to do well in the fishing derby, and he's been really, like, scoping out the lake. Oh, that's like Conge Brother setup. You're okay. going on your jet ski. And the kid foils me. The kid foils you. Or you're getting away and you kill the kid. And now it goes from a bankrupt, which you might have gotten away with, to like manslaughter. And it just goes downhill from there. Like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You, as in, like. Me personally. Know, yeah. I know, I know <laughs> I'm just thinking of characters in some Coen Brothers yeah. Fargo remake, you know? But it's like, a, I just don't know why no one's done it yet. It just seems so obvious. Do you. Uh, when you see because stuff, the bank is right there. Yeah. There's a road. Mm-hmm. Boom, the lake with a beach. I mean, why don't people do more awful things? I wonder about that all the time. And as far as awful things go, robbing a bank is, I would say, is low on the list. Okay. I mean, it's like on the list, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, like, compared to like beating a fucking. Yeah, it's like, no. Yeah, but yeah, why don't more t- people take more dangerous chances and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I don't know. You don't know? Well, I don't do it because I don't want to. I don't ever want to go to jail, ever. Yeah. Like the the punishment, I don't like. I just don't want to deal with it. Would you Would you commit a crime to prevent yourself from going to jail? Like, oh, like uh, you you uh, skip too many. This happens quite a. Or you hear about this sometimes. You know, you have, there's a you skip too many parking tickets and whatnot. The cop stops you. He looks you up, realizes that you have to be hauled off to jail, and the guy like so you kill the cop or do something dumb like run, you know, like drive your car out. Now that doesn't prevent you from going. To yeah, but you're, jail. you're you're taking bigger risks in to avoid smaller. I, th- risks. I think in that instance, I would realize that like going to jail for those two days to like fix these parking tickets. And running and like going to jail for a longer time, I would I would just take the ticket, yeah, or like take the that stint and not try to get away. I think that sounds most normal people would do something. Yeah, like that. I think we all have some sense of morality stuck in us to prevent us from doing something else. Oddly enough, it worked out for us. Hmm. I mean, I think people overestimate their moral compass. Um, it's worked out for you so far. Yes. If it'll continue to work for you, who knows? Hopefully. Hopefully. Inshallah. What? 
<laughs> is that some sort of Muslim thing? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Inshallah. Yeah, God willing. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good thing to say in case it doesn't turn out the way you want. You could be like, hey, God in wasn't shallow. into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, uh, a lot of people say it if when they're supposed to be somewhere, they're like, you know, I'll be there tomorrow at your party, inshallah. God willing. Which means they're going to show up whenever they feel like it or not show up at all because, you know, it's in God's hands. It's a great cop out. <laughs> yeah, it's a great fucking cop out. And mm-hmm. just be there or don't be there. That's what I'm saying. But you Listen, want to well, cover. This, this is a you problem cover. with face saving <laughs> fucking. Uh, cultures just say you're not gonna be there you're not gonna hurt my feelings yeah but there's there's a flip side to it too i mean in those cultures that don't have faith saving things people feel very alone what like in modern western society i would say everyone yes huh yeah so the faith saving comes in thing which is that even if people don't show up to your thing and it's all sort of loosey-goosey like like bengali culture like you know, everything starts two hours late. Half the people don't show up, and if they do show up, they show up super late. At least everyone feels like they're in the thick of it all. Does anyone ever show up, like at a inappropriate times? Like, um, is it so freewheeling that where I could just show up and start a party at your house on a Tuesday evening, and be like, God willing, we're having a party. <laughs> Yeah, no, people do show up super late, and uh, there's also a heavy expectation on the host. You know, there's that, that sort of But like, what if you weren't having a party? Yeah, I think you you could not, I mean, the, terms of the, the traditional sort of Western party is like maybe not as okay. clear over there. I mean, there's no, you know, real drinking, there's no like dancing as much. But do you do expect like, you know, people will randomly show up and they'll expect a meal, let's say. Um this is amongst people of a certain class, obviously, like if you don't have the wherewithal to do that. Uh, but yeah, I remember that when growing up in Bangladesh, that there would be things would never, you never knew when things started. You never knew when things ended. You didn't know if people were going to come, if they're going to come on time. And there was all this like sort of like loaded conversations. Does like, that affect the military? Yeah, we don't have a good military. We don't have a good professional. Uh, so maybe like having like just a little bit of discipline and showing up places on time mm-hmm. might make you a, society a little bit stronger. But I'm, what I'm saying is that there's no like truly like uh, objective stronger, right? Like um, the same the, the discipline also alienates people, right? Like eventually you have to fire people. And you have to say mm-hmm. you didn't live up to this sort of arbitrary criteria that we're going to judge you on because of that we're going to fire you whereas the guy that's lazy and never shows up maybe he th- to himself thinks I have the long term priorities right you know like be good to somebody or blah blah but I don't have these day to day things right so uh, let's forget about all that um, Erica what about you where do you, where do you stand on all this um, about being on time to a party yeah. I my, are you prompt I am extremely prompt and my Biggest pet peeve is people saying that they will be somewhere at a certain time mm-hmm. and not being there and apologizing, like making plans with me without, like if you canceled even like up into the time, if you canceled, I'd be fine. But then this like, I'm scared I was going to hurt your feelings, so I just decided not to show up. 
and to let you know the next day. That's pretty bizarre. Yeah, so don't do that, listeners. Who, do, who does me. that? Let's name some names. Maybe they're uh, listening. They're young people. That's the problem. Kids? <laughs> well, no. They were like in their 20s. Oh. Now that I'm not in my 20s, I can call them on their shit. Are these the... Uh, the they're friends I don't spend time with very much anymore. Okay. Good. They, they can go mm-hmm. nameless. I, you know, I, I, I suffer both fates. I, I, I am, I get way too anxious when I'm late to things. Yes. And that drives me up the wall. And when people are late for things I'm already there for, I become very angry and hateful towards them. And I hate both of those things, which is maybe why I'm sort of reacting to your call for discipline, because nothing is really that important. Oh, nothing. Nothing really, like in my life that I can think of where being on time is an important thing. And... You know, being around people that work a lot and work really hard, you, you have to, like, you know, like, it's hard to sometimes be on time for things. And you have to play by the ear for so many things. But it's taken a lot of work to let that stuff go. Well, it depends on... Some people have it as their character to not be on time for legitimate reasons because they're bringing, them, you're, they're bringing everyone else into their own schedule and world because that's the only way that they feel comfortable. That type yeah. of character is not a type of character I want to... Yeah, that's manipulatively... Yes. Uh, that's also a power play, too. Yes. Um, if you're, more, you know, sort of saying I'm more important than you, yes. um, there's definitely that. But, you know, if it's like with people who, you know, who are, who are sort of struggling to manage time, I really don't know what to do. And I'm also not good about even having that conversation. I got so mad that I can't even, like, tell the person, hey... It's kind of annoying that I have to wait for you for like 20 minutes. Like there's, I can't seem to like say it in a way that doesn't make me, you know, too much anger comes out maybe. I don't even know. I, I, I just like shut my mouth, ignore them for maybe 30 minutes, process it, and I'm like, all right, we'll bring it up and we're going to move on from here. <laughs> I'm very punctual. I imagine. That's ridiculous. Is it's it a lot. It's very stressful. Yeah. It is stressful because I'm punctual too. If I'm a few minutes late, I feel guilty. Yeah. I can't focus. Yeah. I have to plan to be late. <laughs> yep. 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 And even then, I'm on time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because to me, being on time is being 15 minutes early. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's kind of stupid. Yep. Because you're right. Like, there's absolutely nothing that, like, matters unless it's a heart surgery you're showing up for and it's your heart like who the fuck cares <laughs> like it doesn't matter you know cause mm-hmm. like but it's it's that thing that's inside you cause you can't get away from it and it does make you angry and people are like jeez calm down like whatever and you're like yeah but the, but the flip side <laughs> the flip side argument is that nothing is ever gonna be of that scale where you're rightfully angry for being late but if that's how you play life, then you're never going to have any sort of uh, discipline or ethics or morals about how you behave, right? Like, like people who are, like, downplay when people are upset. Like, hey, this is not that important. The argument to that is, well, nothing is ever really that important. Well, like that, but does it say that you can't get upset that's about things? an argument that I get into at work a lot. Because, like, some of these guys are like, wait, what well, doesn't matter? And it's like, hey, asshole, you stopping and going into that bank... And being in there for a half hour makes me a half hour later for me getting back to my life and the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So if you think it's cool to take that fucking half hour away from me, then by all means, fucking go ahead. 
and I'm just going to sit here, mm-hmm. and when you get back, I'm going to be a dick to you about it. <laughs> because I wouldn't do that to you. Mm-hmm. You, of course, would not say that. You would just perform those I have. I've said this out loud a couple oh, you times. Have, I've yeah. had to do it. Because I'm yeah. like, yeah, if you think that's acceptable, fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Is there a nice way to say that? I don't think... With some of these people, I've known them for years, and they are, like, they are clueless, in my opinion, to things that are going on around them, and how the fucking world works, and, like, people's feelings, time management, and shit like that. So, it's like, you have to say it in a way where you're like, dickhead what your actions are doing is affecting me. Okay. And I don't want to affect you and fuck your life up, but you are willing to do that to me. And when you say that out loud, then they're like, jeez, I guess, okay, if you feel that strongly about it. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I do. So. Yeah, you just, you just wish people would come with Just have a bit mindset. more understanding. I'm like, hey, like, I, I don't want to screw you over, so I'm not going to. Please don't screw me over. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's like a twenty, like you mentioned, twenty-year-olds. I think it's sort of their lack of perspective on other people or empathy for other people that's mostly doing stuff like that. Yes. Um, all right, we have taken way too many tangents away from Twenty-One Jump Street. Okay, I was about to say Hill Street Blues. Thank you for no. saying Twenty-One Jump Street. Let's. Uh, anyone want to set the table for Jump Street? What is? Uh, I found 21 Jump Street very interesting growing up because when I saw it, I was a child and I was like, there's no, I was 10 years old. And I was like, there's no way these people look like high school students. <laughs> but oh, now that's as right. an adult, they're, they're undercover I look school. at them and I'm like, you could pass for a high school student. Yep. But uh, so yeah, you have a bunch of police officers going into the schools as undercover cops. Wait, uh, can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the date says 1987. Do you think uh, this is combined with some fear of crime? And like, it doesn't seem creepy that high schoolers would be investigated for crime undercover by real police officers. Isn't that kind of unnerving? And then it is unnerving. Disruptive. Yes. The, and this, the did you listen to that This American Life about like the real like. <laughs> This kid got fucked over because there was an undercover cop at school that he developed a crush on mm-hmm. and basically would do anything to like get her attention and like like go to the prom with or something. Mm-hmm. And she basically entraps him yeah. by getting him to buy her pot. He didn't smoke pot. He had to like go out of his way to find it. He fucking finds it and then boom, arrested. That's awful. <laughs> like, yeah, super shitty. You you hear about that type of cases a lot, uh, whether you know in in high school settings or otherwise. Uh, a lot of the terrorism cases that have been bought brought Ugh. are similarly like the uh, FBI finds a yeah, guy find some who finds some three chumps yeah who they come up with the whole plan yeah. They, they give, they them, give all him all the money. They, yeah, they give him keys to a car. That the poor, the poor Bangladeshi guy that uh, t- tried to bomb uh, Times Square. Terrible. The, he definitely agreed to do terrible things. But at the same time, the FBI provided him with a car, told him it was a little bit dynamite, gave him a plan, told him what to do, and they cite this as one of their like terrorism Victories. cases yeah. or why surveillance works and all that. And it's built on a. House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's that guy would never. No one was gonna find that guy. Yeah. He was never gonna find a partner. Yeah. Like it took the motherfucking FBI to do it. Yeah. It's almost like their own fantasies are being played out uh, 
you know that they it, like this is where I, this is where I find like the CIA FBI's relationship with Hollywood so fascinating like they'll feed you the show right like 21, you know, Jump, like 21 Street. Jump Street then they'll build cases in the real criminal justice system that play on those fantasies and then they'll sort of come together in this really nice way you know like uh, Zero Dark Thirty and the argument for torture. Right. Six months later, the torture report comes out. The the same arguments are made by the t- the movie and by the you know torture apologists, and they work together to make the movie. And Hollywood just you know there to sort of help that Sell along. Mm-hmm. Or American Sniper, you know, like similar. I have an interesting story after we watched Twenty One Jump yes. Street about cops in my town breaking open a case, and I was at the heart of it. Ooh. Stay tuned. Stay listeners. tuned. So this season is undercover cop Tom Hansen goes punk to infiltrate suburban rival gangs in an attempt to halt their destruction and res- and rescue one member caught between academics and anarchy. Oh dear. All right. So next time you hear a voice, oh wait, is this song? Oh, there we go. There's our song. So this is our theme. Oh, this is a different song. Good times. <laughs> I'm not very organized with it. But maybe this one works better. Uh, this is one. This one's called Marriott. Um, okay. So next time you hear our voice, we'll be back uh, from 21 Jump Street. first season finale of 21 Jump Street. There's a lot going on in this app. Who wants to summarize it for us? Raise your hand. We need volunteers. I can can do it real quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, because it's not that complicated. It's it's not complicated at all. Sorry, action-packed. It's Uh, action-packed. Okay. In this small town that we don't know where it is, because we haven't been following the whole show. Seems like it was filmed in Canada. It was, in Vancouver. Oh. But are they in Vancouver? No, they're supposed to be in America. But I would say the West Coast, because they're on the beach okay. a lot. Good call. So, like, some town, we don't know the size, but there's a gang of punks. Two gangs. One, the KKK. The other, the Neighbors. The Good Neighbors. The Good Neighbors. <laughs> and they are having some sort of fight. Uh, the opening scene is, like, this kid gets... There's spray painting, a lot of spray paint, a lot of vandalism. Yeah. A kid gets pulled from one truck into a moving car and then dropped, and he is injured, brought to the hospital. The third person put in the hospital in a month. There's been over $250,000 worth of vandalism done in the last 60 days. 
Uh, now we need the cops to go in, infiltrate these groups, and find out what's happening. Enter Johnny Depp. Yeah, uh, what yeah. is his character's name? I don't know. Let's call him Johnny Depp. Uh, so, but there's sort of a uh, argument about sort of uh, the approach to take. The mayor and the police chief want to just arrest and have a confrontation with all these punks. 21 Jump Street and their uh, uh, main guy wants to try to infiltrate the gang. And so there's sort of a tension there as to who's going to win out. Um, if the gangs are confronted, maybe there'll be a, um, a sort of a bloodbath scenario. So Johnny Depp wants to take this approach of... Uh, he figures out that the gang is led by this charismatic punk singer who's older and uh, way less um, way less sort of settled or situated. He's like, you know, gets into these arguments with police that are completely unnecessary. And Johnny Depp bides for time. He finds that uh, there's one uh, member of the gang who's smart, who's going to his AP classes, who wants to get to college. And studying a lot. Studying a lot. Right, he's going to punk shows and then like spray painting shit and then going home and studying. Yeah. You know, that lifestyle. Um so he he realized that maybe that's the guy you need to sort of convert away from this lifestyle, and uh, while this is while he's trying to do this, the tensions start to escalate. The punk singer gets arrested. The gang is upset. The guy that they the, pulled out of the, the other gang car, is upset because the guy got himself arrested, which is like that's the odd thing. Cause he, yeah, yeah, he makes it so the police have to arrest him. Yeah, the gang gets angry about that, which is ridiculous honest yeah yeah and then the the the, this, the police chief sends out riot police um after that um uh, incident and uh the boy that was pulled out of the other car dies so tensions are really high uh the climax is they're all gathered at a park um the gang has stolen guns and wants to set the police department on fire and uh, shoot their weapons at the police to scare them. Right. Like, <laughs> they, they want to, like... Shoot start... guns near armed police officers. They want to light the place on fire, but not kill anybody. So it's, like, the most... Yeah, and not not expect any um, attacks, too. Like, right. that's going to tell the police back off, uh, mm -hmm. supposedly. It's going to solve their problem it's gonna solve of their everyone problem. getting arrested because they want to be arrested. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, Johnny Depp's there, high tension with his partner, who we really haven't mentioned, but there's a fun little thing that we'll tell you about in a second. Uh, they give speeches, and uh, finally, the uh, the guy that we think uh, gets it, Brian, Brian tells his friends and, and uh, backs uh, backs up uh, the argument that this is un completely unnecessary; that they need to de-escalate immediately. And everyone follows his lead. The punk singer sort of left on his own. Because uh, his guns were taken away by... <laughs> his guns were taken away. Right, his guns were taken away by high schoolers. Yeah, and they have to be returned to their dad. And uh, he walks away, but fortunately, Johnny Depp's wearing a wire and says all that's recorded. And now peace will is will reign again in this lily white suburb of uh, However, Brian, Vancouver. who is studying and wants to go to college admits to him that he was the one driving the car mm -hmm. so he will be arrested for 
for Some... helping in the death. Yeah, but you know his argument, similar to what we talked about before the the Watson thing, is that it's better to spend the time in prison than to escalate it and be charged with a greater crime. Well, also, I mean, he's a tattletale, so he they'll get Brian to flip on everybody else, so he's not going to pl- spend any time in jail. Yeah, he's he's and he's a minor, so it's not even going to affect his college. <laughs> It's not even an effective. Okay. Uh, perfect crime. Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> perfect crime. Yeah, if he's got time, asshole. there's a bank in New Hampshire that <laughs> gets a little heavy in the uh, pockets uh, come fishing season. Fishes, yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp has a, has a partner who's this sort of big jockey dude with a hearing. A bit dopey. D- dopey. And there's a fun little like play-by-play uh, between those two as to who gets to be the lead in this investigation, uh, the dopey friend who feels like he's more punk wants to do it. Johnny Depp's, uh, even though he gets into the punk scene, he's more sort of anthropological uh, approach to it, you know, calls them an aboriginal subculture. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of, I guess, 80s fascination with punk and it's... Slam dancing. Uh, like that, that opening of that setup was so long. Yeah. And it was just like, basically, it was just like, see how crazy these kids are. That's yeah. how it felt. Yeah. And you could see sort of suburban America watching this show and eating that up as... And it did not seem that crazy. There's yeah. nothing crazy about it Having been, Having been to those shows, having participated in those acts... Right now, like, there's more punks, like, yeah. in Williamsburg compared to these fools. But I just love, there's like the slam the dancing, the speaker diving, mm-hmm. which... Which, you know, it's just like punk version of a trust fall. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, who cares? It's also, because it was on television, they couldn't use any profanity. So the curses they used were ridiculous. Like, tail was repeated far tail. too often. Yeah, they, they almost had to switch to, like, 80s hip, uh, you know, uh, hip lingo, hipster lingo. Well, it's also <laughs> funny that, like, the, the punk name of the, the band and the gang was the KKK. Which is so funny. They have almost no context for what that means. Because they're not white, uh, white supremacists. All, but anyone... Call, it's like it's like my band being called Al-Qaeda. And me being like spraying right. that on buildings and being like, why do they think we're terrorists? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but there's no cultural awareness of the Versus show. Versus the good neighbors. The, the good, good neighbors. neighbors. I love the... I like that though. The, uh, the name of that club they went to is like on the side, it was like the Slug Lord or something. <laughs> I forgot, I didn't get the rest of it. Okay. But it, this was interesting because I just felt like I wrote this down. Like Johnny's Depp's character was like basically like how to make punk friends 101. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go to punk show, jump off of speaker, yeah. do what everyone else does, and then like creepily like try to be like go home with the guy. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of like male on male flirting uh, that's such a yeah, big part of it it's hot <laughs> uh, Jason Priestley there's a lot of pretty boys in this one Jason Priestley's in it there's someone else who we recognize but we can't figure out the name of well I always loved it because I kind of remember he his excuse for why he was there was always like I just got here from Oklahoma yeah I wonder if that I think he used that in every time he had to like go undercover somewhere because no one's from really from Oklahoma. I, I wonder if that was a part of it, and I wonder why that didn't catch on. Like, why we don't say that today as a joke about something. Yeah. Oh, like like hike, hiking the Appalachian Trail. No, like uh, 
for someone who's fake, oh, what are you from Oklahoma? Oh, you know, like that, like the derogatory. That is, you know, that is a thing in California because uh, a lot of o- Okies moved to California yeah. during the Dust Bowl, so. Uh, like it's a well, I don't know if it's strong anymore, but it used to be a real pejorative to call someone an Okie in California, and you'd say it in California yeah. to be like you're a bumpkin that showed up, you know, like F O B. And it's like California has any room to talk. Oh, it has tons of room. Oh, this you fucking asshole, California. Com- compared to Oklahoma? Are you kidding me? I don't know. You, I just, I'm just saying. <laughs> just what do you what do you just say? Like the West Coast has like this like a built this pride that they're like so whatever, but it's like they're they're just dumb in a different way. Yeah, you can say that about the East Coast, which is probably the height of um, I don't know self centered. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we just made the whole country listen to our bullshit little snowstorm. Sure. Well, yeah. no, that hit everybody. That hit all. No, everyone in California was texting me like, "Are you scared?" I'm yeah, like, because are you we, kidding me? Because we dominate the entire world media. There's people. In countries that are war torn, worried about if New York's gonna be okay. That's kind of funny. That is Thanks, hilarious. Thanks, that guys. is totally hilarious. You guys are okay. Thank you. We yeah. made it. How's it going in the Congo? Are you okay? You guys are fine. Yeah. Or we're fine. Yeah. yeah. You, you. I didn't get delivery for one night. It was, yeah. You know, it was, it was touching. My go. mayor told us not to deliver tonight. <laughs> what I just liked in this stupid show was like how vandalism equaled anarchy. Yeah. Like that is the only thing they could show to show any sort of anarchy. Whereas, like, not paying your taxes. Um, well, I mean, I th- other I th- things. Are, yeah. yeah, it was super light. But but you know, for for a broad based like oh, yeah, you yeah. know network show, it did a pretty decent job. It was job. a Fox show. So this was on the same oh, Fox. evening with Married with Children and the Tracy Ullman show. The three of them brought the Fox Network, it was actually historic, those two yeah. together, into actually being a competitor of ABC, NBC, and CBS. So yeah. this lineup, and this lineup and all three of those shows kind of deals with dirty issues, I guess, but still in retrospect, like I was just waiting for it to turn into a punk movie I do like, like Lost Boys or Repo Man. I'm like, oh, this is just... Well, I was, it was like, where, where are the drugs? There's yeah. no drugs. Maybe someone had a beer, but it could have like, not been a right. beer. Right. Like, there's no drugs. The guns is, was pretty surprising. I was surprised by that. The know, but it was so... It was very tame. And that... Because, like, like, to work people up to doing something stupid, like, really stupid, like, lighting a fucking police station on fire... You have to be fucked up. I feel like you got to have a lot of booze and, a, like, just... Yeah. Really get down to it. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to blame the show for that. That might have been sort of network or societal restrictions on what you could portray on TV. I think the, it, you know, it's, who knows what the real punk scene at that time was like, but it does show a lot of those things fairly well um, about how, you know, punk is sort of a marriage of, you know, bullshit anarchy, wishful thinking, and terrible music and awful fashion choices. You know, it does portray that pretty well. Um, sure. And, you know, a little, you know, grunge bands were basically doing that, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. Uh, they still yeah. hadn't moved past that. And so I think they, you know, for 87 and for a new network, it feels like pretty decent. And, you know, maybe their first season, they're getting their handle on it. The thing that I wish it had, you know, from the poster, you get the sense it's going to be sort of a 
multi-ethnic uh, group of detectives, but this was so Lily White. Uh, right, and, yeah. And, and that was slightly disappointing. Maybe in later season it becomes, has more perspectives, but this one is suburban and white and middle class as it gets. Um, even the rebellion is a middle class rebellion. It's like, you know, kids from good suburban homes wanting to feel something. They make a joke about that too. The kids yeah. get off a of bail by paying with their credit cards. Yeah, which is a pretty sophisticated pushback well, on punks. Well, it's funny. It's like Brian was just doing it because it was fun. He still wanted to go to college. Yeah. You know, like was that gay until graduated? Like, let's have like this fun little fling. I mean, you hear like but, but in I've, school. I've not heard, heard of that. People are gay. They, like, have, this never made any sense to me, <laughs> but I've heard it so many this fucking times from this friends. I'm very curious about like, this now. Where they'll be like, "Oh, that girl, she's you know, she's like, what, is it? what would they say, like gay, like gay until graduated." Oh, uh, because yeah, like because they would have like a girl, like she would have a girlfriend until she graduated college and then like get married to a dude or something. Yeah, yeah, I have heard that. You what? Yeah, and it, it makes no sense. And so it's like this. When I was watching this, I was like, "Oh, he's just." punk until he goes to Ivy League school and then he's yeah, yeah. I don't it's know it's a phase like a, like a phase like a, yeah they're slumming uh, but you had a story that seems a lot more interesting than oh. anything we've talked about well okay back this would be back in 2000 oh no wow wow this would be back in 1996 hold on how old were you Erica? in 1996 I was 11 alright I was 15 cool uh, I forget how old I was. It was old enough. But um, I'm at home one day, mm-hmm. and there's a knock at the door, and there's two police officers. And they introduce themselves. Wait, wait, answer my knock. Oh, hello? Is Mr. Payne here? No, they asked for me directly. Is Mr. Adam, Adam Payne here? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're like, can we talk? And I was like, sure. We, like, can't, we can't role play the rest of this. No, it, okay. it's too. Yes, okay. you don't know the, any of the names. <laughs> well, how about we improv <laughs> improv workshop it until we get it right? Ugh. Sorry. Continue. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so the officer, she was like, "Does your friend Brian live over on Hazelnut Lane?" And I was like, "Yes." And they're like, "Your friend Mark, he lives over on." whatever other lane. I was like, yeah, that's correct. Why were you walking across the Potter Hill Road August 16th? And I was like, oh, we were coming back from like the Guilford Village, like the marketplace, and we were going back to my house. She's like, okay. And I'm like, well, that evening, all this damage was done in the center of town. Mm. I was like, okay. They're like, and Brian McLean lives over here, and all this damage has been done over there in subsequent weeks. I was like, okay. She's like, and over by your friend Mark's house, all this other damage has been done in subsequent weeks. Do you know anything about this? And I was like, no. How did they know you were friends? I, don't, I have no idea. I have no, like, that's, I have, I don't know how they got it all connected. They did some detective work. Oh, no, my friends were with me. Oh, okay. 
that night when we were walking back, like all three of us were together. They took out our names. How do they? How do they get your names? That we were stopped by a police officer. Oh, you didn't and, say that. Oh yeah, we were stopped by a police officer walking back from the village. Okay. He interviewed us, asked us what we were doing because it was after dark. Wrote down our names. We went to my house. Wow. And so then they they backtracked where all of us lived over months. Months have gone by. Months <laughs> have gone by, and they like get this report and like they like go through it and like they connect all these dots, and it wasn't any of us. Oh. Like we had not done it. Surprise. And they're like, did you do this? I was like, no. And like, they were just like, what? You, you could tell like they thought they had cracked the case. Uh, they, like, they, they thought they really had figured it out. And I was like, no. <laughs> and they were like, they took a beat. And I was like, Any, anything else? And they're like, well, do you know who it might have been? Do you know who did it? You help us with this. <laughs> and I go, well, you know, and there was a guy who I fucking hated. From Oklahoma? Oh. No. <laughs> what was his name? Oh, I don't know if I can say it. We'll say K-Sleeper. K-Sleeper. I'm like, K-Sleeper lives over by Brian. Are you just adding an extra letter to No, no, no. I, I'm not giving name. the first name. I, first name K, last name Sleeper, who lives over on Sleeper Hill. His family's lived there forever. And I said, you know, him and his friends live over there, and I think it might have been them. (laughs) (laughs) And I have no idea if it was them or not, but I hope it was. I blame someone. I was brought in to the police station because there was vandalism, and I heard something, and then my car actually had tapes missing from the car. Mm -hmm. So I was brought in, and... They they pushed me a lot for names, and I did give up a you name. You cracked. I cracked, and I gave up a name um, of someone that I actually had a huge crush on, of course, because he was totally like a drug addict, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and knew and I knew that he had trouble, and I think his name is written in your diary 150 times, circled with hearts. And he um, <laughs> and he like I think he had a problem. They're like, is there anyone who would have a problem with me? And like. I thought that he did have a problem with me because it like came out that there was a like there was just you know weird beef beef, which was just called flirting. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and you I was always very now. ashamed of that. He's but, dead now, which makes it really sad. Whoa. I know, but uh, I don't think he got in trouble. He was he was fine. The weird thing was is if they had gone to Brian's house mm-hmm. up in his bedroom, he had stop signs and street signs from all over the town. Oh. Except for we had a rule, which was you didn't take from where we lived. So like, those are so annoying. Like it didn't work. Like that was what killed me. It was like so we, we outsmarted the cops because like we we had. <laughs> That's really what happened. We had been doing shit, but like we hadn't done that shit. <laughs> and thus we win. Unless I I don't know who wins anymore. How, how did your friend die? Drug overdose. Oh Jesus. Can I ask if it was heroin? Yes. Damn, that shit gets a lot of people. Yeah. He wasn't on heroin in high school, though. But maybe, yeah. Don't do heroin. Don't do heroin. Don't do heroin. Uh, Maybe I'll save this for the next podcast, but I I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, And what you you two just said reminded me of it. 
Um, I saw the uh, the federal uh, di- uh, attorney for uh, the federal government in Brooklyn speak, and she was talking to our students, and she like made you know made crime fighting sound like this sort of very virtuous and clear mission, you know, of like there's bad guys, we find them, we organize cases, and we um, you know deliver justice, and it's all you know fun and games. And then she started talking about sort of political corruption. And so then I asked her, you know, like, you know, how do you build a case like the case of Sheldon Silver, for example, uh, mm-hmm. who just got an edit? And he's, she said, and this is where it all sort of turned, you know, your perspective. And she's like, you know, in those cases, often like the smallest little thing that will happen. Someone, and she was like, you know, there's one case, we caught a big guy. And, uh, you know, uh, someone um, was overcharged for something. And then, and then he like came to the police, and we followed up on it. And the guy we caught, he's like, "Well, you got me, but if you think, you know, there's like bigger fish to fry," and and that's how they sort of built this large case. And you realize that there's so much like snitching that's inherent to the entire criminal justice system that it's hard to take any of it with, you know, with you have to take it all with a grain of salt. That like, who gets caught? How they get caught? how they're prosecuted, who gets a deal, you know, and all that stuff is just sort of, um, it sort of really undermines the sense of like, the justice of oh, delivery. Yeah. Like, this is like a shell game. It's a total shell game. And it's like, <laughs> and, you know, it's on the sort of worst instincts of people to both uh, want to protect their butts and you know, throw someone under the bus, and the police just work on it, and, you know, probably the... You know, I hate, I hate cereal, but the cereal does clearly show like how that undermines a feeling of justice to the whole thing, knowing that different people are interacting so differently with the criminal justice system and getting their own, you know, their own sort of way through it. Well, yeah, it's like if, if Jay from that can like bury a dead fucking body mm-hmm. and not ever see the inside of a bathroom in a prison, let alone mm-hmm. the fucking cell. Yeah, something yeah. might be off. Yeah. But that's then in the in the in the legal part of it. Right, right. Yes, that is like that's not or, the, or that fucking scumbag the, down in Florida but, who's but the, raping all those like uh, underage no, girls, and he's like, okay, I'll plead to this, and I'll do a year. But but the legal part of it starts with the police. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that's the other part too. Like the the prosecutor and the police are so tied together in what they do. And, and the prosecutor brings cases that the police bring to them. And, Should you know, we watch the first season finale of Law and Order? Is that what you're <laughs> curious But are about? you saying I'm just we saying, need more cops that when the gavel comes down and the perp walks free, the cop like puts the gloves on, gets a silencer, shoots the vigilanteism, whoa. and then throws the gun away? I believe that's the premise for The Equalizer. Do you remember that British show? Um, no, but I want It's a great show. But anyway, just, just that, you know, like, uh, the same way we can make, you know, things feel really simple and dumb and virtuous, like, for example, being a soldier, being a spy, we can do that with police work and prosecuting, and the adult truth of it all is just like almost everything else. It's so muddy and often so unclear that you're often left with this, you know, feeling of like, well, what's, what are we doing? Is it even worth it? Is it all just random chance or, you know? It's it's probably not worth it. It's not. But we don't have a better game. 
It's it's the it's what did what did uh, Churchill say about democracy? It's the least uh, worst system we have. Well, it's, it's like yeah, it's a bad form of government, but it's the best one we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, whatever. Who knows if he's right or not? It's fucking <laughs> Churchill. I feel like, like he had a lot of one-liners. Totally. I mean, he he takes credit for inventing the tank. Oh really? Yeah. He's kind of a blowhard. All right. Just, and I, he might have got the money to make the tank be made, but he did not fucking invent it. <laughs> that may have to be the final word because we're coming up on 50 minutes. Uh, Century 21. Don't watch it, but shop there. Okay. Any final words? Uh, about the show? Yeah. I don't recommend it, and I thought I would. So, I watch Repo Man instead. All right, um, we will see you next week. And uh, if you got the time, please write a review for us on iTunes. Tell your friends to subscribe. And uh, Erica, do you, do you have a plug again? I think you have a plug. Uh, yeah, you can check out patreon.com slash Erica Rowe and uh, pledge for me to continue to draw animals. Okay. See you guys next week.